Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Time now for our Eastern Conference over-unders, but first a bit of news to get to here. Quincy Pondexter has been traded. The Lakers have been fined for tampering with Paul George, 500K, which is the largest fine in the history of the NBA for tampering by quite a significant margin. We're sponsored today by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is like Costco meets Whole Foods online. Go to thrivemarket.com slash capspace for details and get an extra 20% off at that URL and let them know that you came from us. What did you think of this 500K fine for the Lakers, Dane? We don't really have any details on it other than just that there was allegedly improper contact between Rob Palinka, now Lakers GM, and George's agent, Aaron Mintz. It wasn't about the Magic Johnson wink. That was like they received a warning for that when he was on Jimmy Kimmel. But there was, in fact, I, I would assume, some phone records of this call between Palinka and Mintz and... uh I would be very interested to know what actually was said by Polinko when he was interviewed about it. Yeah, I mean, this is a specific amount, you know, as you said, it's the highest amount for this sort of a thing that we've ever seen and that it isn't related at all to the Magic Johnson element. I mean, maybe if they had with the warning, you know, maybe that factored in a little bit. I don't know. But, you know, it's kind of the compounding factors thing. But yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like there's a little bit of smoke here. But most importantly, in many ways, they didn't put any restrictions on George himself because that is theoretically one of the remedies that could be assessed should that have been determined the case. And that that would have had massive ripple effects throughout the league. But I mean, there has to have been something here and the Lakers didn't really fight it, at least not publicly. And maybe some of that is optics. You know, the league is continuing on and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, they just said, they just said, hey, we accept the league's decision or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so it's fascinating. I mean, it, the, there have been a, some interesting think pieces in the last little bit about, you know, like what the league can do about tampering. But it is also, it seems like this is kind of a segment aside from it, just in terms of, you know, like players talking to players is 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 sort of a different thing than the gm talking to an agent in this sort of case so i it's hard to talk definitively without knowing those details and i'm reasonably confident those details will never become public but it is notable in the sense that it is precedent making so a couple of things here number one the league did say in its press release that there was no agreement between the lakers and george for him to sign there if there were that would be circumvention of the cba in addition to potentially tampering you said it's fascinating though i actually just like don't really give a shit about tampering <laughs> to be honest like it, it just i mean it's I, I think the current regime is fine just do what you do under the radar don't be so dumb that you get caught like palinka did which is hilarious to me that he got caught after being an agent he supposedly like you know knows all the dark arts of how to do this stuff and 
you know, go down the street to a pay phone or whatever the hell you got to do so that your phone records don't show up if the league investigates you. Nonetheless, I just don't really care because like what effect does tampering really have, right? Unless it's okay. Hey, Paul, like don't sign it. I mean, maybe that's what it is. I would be a lot more suspicious of it if it's like there were for a player who's kind of mid-level, right? Like Paul George, everyone knows he's getting the max. Maybe if he were in a situation where, and like everyone knows that the Lakers will just offer him whatever contract, right? So it's not like he's getting any new information. It's really even more maybe the Lakers getting information if he's saying he's going to come there to not do anything to tie up their cap space between now and then. So maybe that's where the advantage is gained. But I think having some kind of an understanding before free agency comes in of whether a guy might be interested in you or not i mean because you know no matter how much tampering goes on nobody is bound by any agreements and tampering it's all just oh are you interested yeah i, w- I would really like to come here Let- let's see if we can work out a deal you know leave the space open for it. let's see if we can get it done it kind of well, like and that. that's the and the, the the point there that's important is if there was anything that constricted then it would be circumvention it would be a much bigger deal like that going back to the joe smith thing or or, or elements more of yeah. that ilk if uh, you get and by the it. way, by the way, Joe Smith, and this is in two thousand dollars or whatever it was, two thousand two. He was fined three point five, or are the Wolves were fined three point five million? They're prohibited from signing him to the contract that he had illegally agreed to, and they got stripped, I think, of four out of their next five first round draft picks. I think they ended so, up giving one back, but it was three. But but yeah, yeah I mean, I near. Uh, it's a little side note. I nearly put a whole little parenthetical about that in my Warriors book, and then realized it wasn't really relevant to the Warriors story, just because I I think the Joe. Smith Smith thing is is just such an amazing thing considering as you've talked about the the narrow ledges that people are walking on throughout and that's really a necessary evil of the business is that there will be information asymmetry and I can understand why other teams don't like that but it's a challenge because you can never get fairness and ever and really everything because that information is exceedingly important think about when an agent is advising players on whether or not they should opt out of their contract if the more information an agent has the better it is for the player so yeah it'll hurt certain other parties in that fat in that factor but overall is there a way to police it that makes that that is more fair than what we have right now yeah and i think the way the police it the way the league is doing it now is just fine like okay if you go on tv and you wink and you say oh yeah we're gonna get this guy or if you're the atlanta hawks and you write a letter to season ticket holders that says yeah we're gonna be trying to get these free agents and you know if there's stuff that's coming out publicly that's a bad look for the league right but as long as it's all like everyone's got some plausible deniability like that's fine with me i don't really care like it's it's just you kind of need for things to, to run this way uh let's take a quick break here to talk about thrive markets thrivemarket.com slash cap space is your url this is going to be a game changer for you if you want to get high quality natural organic groceries healthy snacks supplements foods you can stock your pantry at 25 to 50 percent less than even the discount stores this is like costco meets whole foods online the way it works for them is you pay just 60 dollars a year and you can get wholesale pricing all year long so the average customer you're going to save about 40 dollars per order based on buying at another store and thrive guarantees that you will save more than your membership fee so you'll save more than $60 in your first two orders they'll let you test drive those savings for free before you buy your membership they have 400,000 members now and thanks to them it's never been easier to live healthy also the way you test drive it for free for 30 days number one you get an extra 20% off if you do it that way and number two you let them know that you came from us which of course supports the program thrive 
thrivemarket.com slash cap space is that url once again get an extra 20 percent off at thrivemarket.com slash cap space go to that url just check out some of the stuff that they have i think you'll be very surprised and pleasantly so at how much cheaper their prices are go right now thrivemarket.com slash cap space so we also have a trade to announce quincy pondexter on the move to chicago danny and it s- sounds like what Chicago is doing, which we had talked about a little bit in July, is that they're actually staying over the cap and using part of the trade exception generated when they moved Jimmy Butler to Minnesota to take on Pondexter's contract. They have they did not stretch his money for this year because that trade actually happened before the stretch deadline. We'll talk about that in regards to Spencer Hawes later. But they got a, f- a first round or sorry, a second round pick for their trouble. They haven't cut Pondexter yet, a talented player who could actually help them considering these are the two teams that need small forwards the most in the entire league but he has to be able to be on the court in order to provide value for chicago yeah and the impetus for this trade something we've mentioned previously is that new orleans being right up against the luxury tax and even more importantly right up against the hard cap because they had used their mid full mid-level exception therefore they now were hard caps at six million dollars above the apron and for tax purposes for cap purposes all those unlikely incentives that they gave to drew holiday don't matter but for the hard cap they do matter because you just can't go over that hard cap for any reason right if if at the end of the year you still had holiday on the team and the last game of the season you can't make any transactions to get rid of anybody and he fulfills those incentives now you're over the hard cap you're not allowed to do that for any reason so this gives them some breathing room now as opposed to stretching and they went that direction as opposed to the bucks who went the stretch direction they had to give up that's their own first round pick in uh 2018 danny or second round pick in 2018 i believe that's how i've seen it yes yeah and, and the bulls sent back a flotsam you know top 55 protected pick just to fulfill the touching requirements and apparently also the bulls got a, a nice chunk of change in terms of cash for this so which is the other a, thing that yeah. teams can add in that's good to mention is that it doesn't count ca- i mean you have a limit to how much you can send and receive but it's another it's kind of a fungible piece to make some of these moves more palatable the most notable recent one was actually that josh mcroberts trade and we found out how much money miami was sending to dallas to complete that one yeah and we're seeing that the increase in the limits now up to five million dollars i mean that's uh that's real money now the irony here for the bulls of course is i bet you this pelicans pick that they're basically i mean i guess the, the difference is though that they're not actually gonna have to pay as much of a salary we don't know how much it is in cash but i'm guessing it'll be about as much as a salary but remember how they took in 3.5 million dollars in cash to trade away the number 38 pick I bet you this pick that they just picked up for about that amount of money in salary is going to be worse than uh, the number 38 pick this next year. That's a fair estimate to make. I mean, we both, we talked about their over-under last time, and I think we're both somewhat optimistic on where the Pelicans are going to be. And Chicago, you know, they are going to need all the help that they can get. So yeah, I, I joke that they, well, they'll get another $4 million or whatever from this next year. But the Bulls need, they they need this. And, and what was most concerning to me about this trade from Chicago's perspective, assuming Pond Dexter can't help them because if he can actually play he could provide some value for him is well, that and i think more, more even more than that is that maybe he could get traded away for another second round pick if he can be rehabilitated but considering sure. that the desperate for small forward pelicans weren't interested in keeping him around and maybe they felt like mm-hmm. all right we just we gotta clear some space well, we know we know that certain... they can be very short term in terms of their thinking considering what, yeah. what has happened before but what chicago is doing by choosing the trade exception route and then now that they cut a 
piece off of it, you only have so much flexibility left. And using it for this is is okay, but they they shed that. And with them, they can have cap space next year. They can do a bunch of other stuff. But like basically, once you turn over the league year, that's gone. And so I want to see how they use the remainder of it, or will they kind of squander that flexibility, which is very rare. There aren't that many teams that can take on money right now and get something more for it because a a second round pick is decent, but we've seen how hard it can be to get a late first, which is a lot more valuable for them and for anyone else. Yeah, I think they've got without Miritich, without Miritich's cap hold, they've got about twenty million left in space with his cap hold on the books, which is eleven million. They're, they're down to a, a little under ten million in space, but they have a little more than that left of that Jimmy Butler trade exception, which started off at fifteen million. So that's probably you know. A little over 11 million left to basically just take on some bad contracts and then if they do bring back Miritich for more than his cap hold which may not be the case here but if they were to do that they still hold on to the trade exception so they can take on more bad salary that way if they care to uh and I think that's a fine deal for the Bulls you know the sort of move that a rebuilding team should be making and the Pels of course you know just more short-term thinking again you know, I mean that like the Solomon Hill injury really killed them so they're reacting to that but it, this is a team that's always just reacting to what the financial situation is as opposed to having any kind of long-term planning and when your gm's been on the hot seat for five years that's what you get and for years now they've been killed by these smaller moves i mean yeah omar ashik's bad but like we were both very critical of the alexei Ajinsa contract when it was signed not so much because i actually didn't hate that so much when i didn't love it but the reason i didn't like it was the years because it was just so much of a commitment i mean the center position has changed since that signing happened but you know if they if they didn't have that five million on their books a lot of this stuff would be made easier and instead they're pressing up against the hard cap nobody wants to take on his salary and so they could eventually clear that stuff out but they have to be judicious over the next couple years and my instinct is that's not going to happen so frank jackson their number 31 pick athletic player not a guy who was expected to contribute a ton this year but nonetheless the third point guard on the roster he broke his foot again second time now i think it was uh the dreaded although i guess it's not as dreaded as navicular but uh, that fifth metatarsal rebroke it uh, while he apparently was working out so he's having surgery and now i'm if i had to guess based on the timeline he's probably going to have like the bone graft procedure that kd had the second time that he broke his foot uh and that's why he's going to be out now uh, for so long here and uh let's get to milwaukee where the bucks stretch spencer hawes that allows them to dodge the tax for the time being i have them 1.8 million dollars now below the tax uh and certainly a financial decision here for milwaukee they at least can sign you know another minimum guy or two or take on a little more money at the trade deadline but interesting that they decided to do this rather than try and trade haas i'm guessing that a second round pick wasn't enough to just move him into somebody's space at least at this point in the year they didn't want to gamble that that would be worth it later in the year this was their deadline to stretch him and so they decided to go that route instead but of course the downside here again is that now he's two million bucks on the cap for the next two years after this years in which they likely will be again attempting to dodge the tax also that is money that cannot be moved or adjusted for any reason so that's just a a constraint now it's actually the strongest constraint there is is that kind of stretch dead money the pistons can attest to this numerous other teams as well the the nets are dealing with this with darren williams and so the upside for the bucks is that they controlled their own destiny they were able to do it but they're going to have challenges next year making sure all this works 
We don't know how much money Jabari Parker is going to get. Patreon subscribers can already hear our mock rookie extension one, but dunked on listeners will hear it soon enough. That's a real challenge. And then they also, and then I think this might be part of the reason why they did it, is that the Bucks have a lot of other money on their books. Guys like John Henson, Toledovich, Delavadova, and some of those guys, especially the last two, are a little bit movable, but they aren't really great money. And so there's a reasonable expectation that the Bucks could have had that they couldn't make a larger deal to really make this fit in to slide under. So in that case, if all if all it takes is throwing two million on for another two years, there there's a reason to believe that that will be worth it for them. All right. Uh, last thing, Zach Randolph, his marijuana charges. He was charged with possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. That's now been reduced to two misdemeanors. So it doesn't look like he's going to get any jail time or, or, or miss any time with the team. Any suspension will likely be much reduced now with that. Uh, let's get to the over-unders here, Danny, starting with, in the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks won 43 games last year, but that shouldn't really be considered a prior considering how many guys they lost. Paul Millsap being most notable, Dwight Howard, they traded for Bellinelli and Miles Plumley and moving down in the second round. So Vegas set the over-under at 25 and a half for them. I think that's a good number in terms of their talent level, but I'm still a believer and we haven't seen Budenholzer coach this kind of a team. My belief is that his approach and to working guys hard and also getting them to buy in defensively is going to push them over this though i think it's a fair line so they lost paul Millsap, howard who actually i think was more effective last year than any of the centers that they had although it was annoying in the locker room apparently any of the centers that they have this year i, I should say they already had a negative 1.8 net rating last year with despite the 43 wins the worst of any team in the playoffs by a significant margin and when Paul Millsap was off the floor, that fell to a negative 6.0 net rating, and they scored a mere 97.6 points per 100 possessions. And they'll probably do a little better than that because they'll have a little more shooting on the floor, maybe. But I think this is pretty much going to be, if not the worst offense in the league, a, a bottom three unit. Oh, yeah. I mean, there isn't much. Shannon Schroeder's showed something in Eurobasket, but he's not going to be playing against most of the competition in Eurobasket in the NBA next year. And and a lot of their other guys have defensive talent. I like Kent Bazemore in a specific role. Torian Prince, I think, will be better defensively than offensively this year, though I do like where he's going. And Deadman is the same thing. You know, Deadman can be a cog in a successful offense, but he can't be much more than that. And then defensively. So, yeah. So does that mean you're going under with them? Yes, I am. I went with 24 wins when I did my podcast with Brad Rowland, and I, I think that's uh, that's where I'm going. So I will uh, go under. I, I mean, the one thing that gives me pause is I think they could be okay defensively. I, I'm just more sure that they're going to be bad offensively than maybe any team in the entire NBA. And But maybe, you know, if they've got Deadman, Prince takes a step forward, Schroeder can be okay defensively. They've got Bazemore, who's uh, all right on the wing. Ilyasova knows how to play on D. So they have some guys who might be all right, but because they're going to be facing a miss every single time defensively, and just I expect them to not have like unbelievable chemistry, and that they're just going to kind of they've got these guys on player options, and that they're just going to be giving up by the end and tanking and playing all the young guys. Yeah, I think I will go with uh, that under twenty four wins is my projection. Uh, I mean, are, are, do you feel like great about this over? No, no, I don't feel 
great about it. I mean, I think it's like a 60-40 kind of thing for me, but I just believe that their defense will be good enough that they'll surprise some of these bad teams and they'll win. You know, I think they'll they'll clean up a few more of those games and that should be enough. But you're right. I mean, if they lean into tanking, which we just haven't really seen from Boonholzer and just as an organizational philosophy, yes, they changed over and, and brought in Travis Schlenk to run the front office, but we just haven't seen it from them. And so I generally want to get that proven if we've seen a team that just was unwilling to in the past, though their talent is meaningfully different. We can move on to the Celtics. Celtics won 43, sorry, 53 games last year, best record in the Eastern Conference. Vegas set the over-under at 56 and a half. I just think that's too high a number. But where I wanted to start with you is this, even before the Irving Isaiah Thomas trade, were they better than they were last year? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, from a talent perspective, let's just say not in terms of wins and losses. Yeah, I think so. But you have to remember too that they that 53 wins they had a year ago was uh, very lucky. Their expected one loss last year was only 48 and 34. So they are five games better than their expected record last year in terms of point differential. And I think Horford will take a step back. I do like the fact that they're going to be just starting Horford at center now. But I think this under, I'll, I'll say this before we talk about it even more, 56 and a half. I mean, that's this is all Kyrie Irving being overrated because these numbers do include the likelihood that that trade was going to go through when they went out and in fact of course it, it has gone through since then uh yeah and, and Hayward is pretty good but it's definitely probably overrating the production they're going to get from like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum maybe Marcus Morris as well they have so many new guys on this team Horford getting up there now 31 I think it's gonna it could take a step back I just don't see them getting to 57 wins. That is just, would be a major, major surprise for me. Like that, I don't think they got nine wins better from last year. That's for sure. I mean, because you got to remember, like, it's like what Thomas gave them last year. Like, I know a lot of people might think that Irving is a better player than Thomas, but Irving is not a better player than what Isaiah Thomas gave them last year. Like, he was, had one of, like, the better offensive seasons in NBA history last year. I mean, like 62% true shooting over 30% usage is averaging 29 a game and he was completely ridiculous in the clutch. So Irving's not going to give them more than Thomas did last year. Like that would be nearly impossible, I think. Marcus Morris isn't going to give them more than Avery Bradley. I mean, they he was their best man-to-man perimeter defender last year. They lost Jay Crowder as well. Like the, the, the overhaul could reap long-term dividends. And I think you could make an argument that either this year in the playoffs or two years from now, you know, kind of figuring out their timeline is just going to, we're just going to have to see how this team develops and how the young guys do. Because all of a sudden now, Jason Tatum matters. Like it looked early in the offseason, like, you know, they added Marcus Morris. So look how overstuffed their frontcourt rotation is. Well, now they lost Jay Crowder. They might actually use him a little bit. So those sorts of things fit in. But one thing I want to push back a little bit, I think Aaron Baines is going to start. I think they're going to start Baines and Horford together. That's not what I, I've, I've heard specifically that, that, that that's not going to be the case. Okay. I'm encouraged by that. I didn't want Baines to start, but okay. That, that seemed yeah, to be. I, I to thought me. the same as you did. And then I was told, no, that the plan right now is to start Horford. Good, 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 good. Okay. And anything else on the Celtics? I think we kind of have an idea of why we feel the way we feel. Well, uh, are these guys going to defend at all? Like, what do you think of their defense? right now they were 13th last year they're losing bradley although maybe his contributions were overrated i i don't think i think irving and thomas are kind of a wash on d they're gonna be playing these rookies more but they'll be able to switch more i think they'll be better defensively with horford at center though maybe amir johnson against just regular season fodder is an underrated defensive contributor um i do worry about their backup big situation especially now they lost zizich in this trade too so they really it's basically horford and baines right now there's talking about maybe bringing in Thomas Robinson who's not really a quality player in a rotation so I'm not sure uh, like 
like especially like if Horford misses time they're in big trouble uh even if Baines misses time like they just they don't even have any big men at all I mean am I forgetting about someone Yabusele would be the other guy <laughs> like it's is there yeah I, that, that's a concern good. and also their perimeter defense changed a lot I mean we both have high expectations for Jalen Brown on both ends of the floor and I think eventually he can be a pretty solid defender but he's still really young it's going to take him time Marcus Smart is going to have to take a larger role but his deficiencies offensively are going to become a factor if they want to use him more and they can do it through team scheme I think they have some personnel there but I'm not going to bet on that when we haven't seen it at this point so I think league average is fair you know could be I would say it's more likely to be on like if if I were to swing significantly one way or the other I would say it could swing significantly on the lower end but I could totally see them being anywhere from 13 to 18 or something like that yeah I mean maybe they'll just do so much switching that it won't even matter that like they don't have that many guys who are just like absolute lockdown dudes other than smart and and the offense I think can be better than last year even if they don't get as much out of Kyrie as they did out of Isaiah they were so bad when Thomas was on the bench last year that's going to be solved now with Hayward so that they'll have players they can go through although Kyrie has never really particularly carried an offense by himself either anyway yeah I think 57 is like comically high like I I haven't done my prediction for them but you know it's going to be like 51 52 and I think KP actually noted with his RPM projections because Irving rates so poorly they're projected for 44 wins by RPM right now especially after losing Crowder who is an, an RPM darling Another example of why, you know, young guys sometimes get overrated in terms of their their impact. I mean, we could see it from Jalen, we could see it from Tatum, but I just I just doubt it. But let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets, a team you and I have actually talked about more substantially than any of these teams, really, because of the podcast we did together. They won 20 games last year. They were also injury riddled and all of that. Their over-under is set at 28 and a half. That was just a little higher than I was comfortable with, so I went under. Uh, yes, that is what I did as well. You had them at 28 wins. I have them at 27 and I'm just a little skeptical here that they're going to try incredibly hard down the end of the season, even though we've said that before, but the Sean Marks regime, both of the last two years just said, Hey, you know what? Season's almost over. Let's just shut it down. Even though we got nothing to gain here, even though they don't have the draft pick incentive to tank down the end. So this idea that they don't have their draft pick, that hasn't really like proven to be the case over the last two years, that that has mattered at all in their win-loss something that will be significant there is that they play chicago twice in their last three games so if one of those teams cares and one of those teams doesn't that can actually swing some stuff but i don't think that's going to get them close enough because i just think they're going to be they're less talented than most of their opponents and their best player last year was brooke lopez and brooke lopez isn't on their team anymore oh man danny that could be some great twitter nba show fodder do you remember doing that game that Knicks sixers game oh yeah that was at the same time as the detroit uh Detroit Orlando game uh, on the last day of the season that was like the maybe the most fun we ever had on the Troy NBA show like Nick Stauskas and and like Jason Randall and Rod Baker just like draining shots as like each team was trying to lose and just couldn't and the Knicks moved down in their moved down in the picks but they still had the chance to get Dennis Smith so it could have worked out but a team that hopefully for their part well, here, will... a, a, a little more a little more on Brooklyn here first sure. and then we also have to do, do a commercial although I appreciate your assisting in, in the transitions I don't don't mean to just 
discourage that in the slightest but to just give you an idea of the fundamentals for them where they're starting from which i think is always just important they're 20 and 62 a year ago but actually had a 24 and 58 expected one loss so they were pretty unlucky and of course they had the health issues with lynn and i think there's a possibility they could be okay offensively but i i find it very difficult to believe they're going to stop anybody and so uh, that's I think just 29 wins seems like just a little bit too much for me for this group um and especially because like it's not impossible they could get over that but there's just so many things that have to go right for them so I mean I'm not saying this is like my super best bet but I I would feel more confident with this one than you know I would say maybe Atlanta yeah I think that's that's fair and their front court rotation is still amazingly questionable and I wouldn't expect that to improve substantially during the season unless Jared Allen just blows away expectations. Mozgov has had a few signs of life in Eurobasket, but not enough to to say, oh, he's he's going to be huge for them for like 25 minutes or whatever. So I could see them being better than expectations and being a little bit competitive, but they're not as good as a lot of the other teams around them. And they unless they feast on the bottom of the East more than I expect, I think they'll kind of split a lot of those games, then then they'll be in the mid to, mid to high 20s and that's less than 29. So Blue Apron has gotten even better, Danny, because they are now offering 30-minute meals. They're made with the same flavor and farm-fresh ingredients you know and love, but they're ready in 30 minutes or less. That's actually something that I've wanted them to do because while I really love the product sometimes, especially when I'm busy during the playoffs or whatever, I don't have time to to make the full meal or just, you know, there's a lot of chopping vegetables and stuff that, that was, which you like doing when you have the time and when my girlfriend and I cook together, but like if it's one person, it's kind of easier and, and that's what these 30 30 minute meals are designed to do for you some of the meals available in september summer vegetable and egg paninis with chili mayonnaise and caprese salad soy glazed pork and rice cakes with bok choy and marinated green beans girlfriend's huge into the bok choy skillet vegetable chili with cornmeal and cheddar drop biscuits all those are good. I'm actually going on vacation, but when I get back, I can't wait to try these 30-minute meals, doing some cooking at home, especially during uh, this period when there aren't live NBA games to be watching. has been really enjoyable. When you get started with Blue Apron, to check out this week's menu, get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash capspace. That's a URL. We talk about capspace all the time in the program, so that capspace is uh, easy to remember. Blueapron.com slash capspace. Again, a URL to let them know that you came from us. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The Charlotte Hornets, they were darlings for us two years ago. One of our best bets last year that did not remotely come through, 42 and a half for the squad from the Queen City. Last year, they won 36 and Kemba Walker played 79 games. So that's a, a concern because Kemba Walker's health is the big swing factor for them. Yeah. They don't have and a replacement. 79, 79 awesome games as yeah. well. He was very, very good last year. Adding Dwight does really help them because what sabotaged their season was looting, losing Cody Zeller, mostly because they didn't have a replacement. And so having somebody there, I would guess that their support players will be better than the ones they had last year. Roy Hibbert was a disaster. Ramon Sessions was disappointing. And now they have Malik Monk, MCW, the aforementioned Dwight Howard. So I don't love the over here. I think this is more of a stay away than anything else. But I think the over is a better bet than the under. The other thing you mentioned, uh, Kemba Walker did play 
play a lot of games and they are in trouble when he's out but the big problem for this team last year especially when zeller was out was they cratered on defense the stat again i know you guys remember this as loyal dunktown listeners three and 17 without cody zeller last season they had to play kaminsky at center they're starting roy Hibbert. it was horrendous so now to be able to get 48 good minutes at center i think is big and this team really took a step back to 14th in defense. I think they had been in the top 10 every year of the Clifford era. Before then, I think with Howard, especially being used by Clifford, that they can get back to being a, a top 10 unit on defense. The offense, I could see taking a step back, getting to 14th with the talent that they had. Walker having that ridiculous season uh, might not be realistic again, especially because they're going to have more size clogging things up. Although they did play Roy Hibbert a bunch of minutes, so that's he might be the worst offensive center in the league. I guess, oh, I guess Joel Anthony did play in the NBA last year. But uh, the other important note, though, here, they were the unluckiest team in the league last year, expected one loss 42 and 40, and they only won the 36. So I think if you look at them as starting from a 42 win baseline, yes, I would expect them to be better than last year. And especially with the, the added depth at the one position that so sabotaged them. Now, I am worried about backup point guard, but I think at least MCW can give them about what sessions did at least by giving them some size defensively if you know he's obviously a, an offensive liability but maybe they could put some shooting around him let him get into the post try to find a way to scrape out some points so i will go over as well i i'm not putting it into the best bets category but i expect this team to be pretty comfortably in the playoffs like i talked i talked about this a little bit with the nets in terms of the bottom of the east whatever teams can beat the the whoever is right around them in that middle tier in the eastern conference is going to do really well because there are just so many non-elite teams in that conference and i think charlotte with their defense can do that when you know they'll have to hit some shots but i think that they will do that and also i'm a believer that their bench will be better than last year which is you know that's an incredibly low bar but if they can do that it'll really help anything else in them or do you want to move on to the bulls we'll give you some stats to sure just again to quantify how bad they were without zeller when he was off the floor negative 3.4 net rating although a lot of that was then when he was starting then they're growing with the backups when he couldn't start and they had to bring the backups in then it really against the other team starts that was a real problem and then when walker was off the floor negative 8.6 net rating so i think they can improve on both of those numbers and that's part of why i expect them to be you know i mean i'm not gonna say i haven't done an official prediction for them yet i'm not gonna say that they're gonna win like 47 games but i think they can be solid and in the east that's uh that's pretty good last year they were plus 7.5 when when kemba and cody zeller played together and they were outscored by 1.5 when kemba was on the floor and zeller was off okay let's get to chicago i'll let you go first on this one bulls won 41 games last year again not relevant because they lost jimmy butler and other important contributors but for me 21 and a half is a really really low number only 12 teams in the last five years have won fewer than 21 are fewer than 22 games and while i think the bulls are among the two worst teams in the league on a talent perspective this year picking any single team that isn't like as bad as the sixers were a couple years ago to be that team is hard for me so i'm going over even though i actively dislike the way this team is built and how they're going to be this year yeah i i predicted 22 wins on a podcast that will come out in the future about the bulls i did with uh steven sorry stefan no of the 
athletic and so yeah i'm going over as well it does seem like just an extremely extremely low line i mean now they could move Dwayne wade zach levine could not come back i mean this is another team that you just know for sure is going to be in the bottom five in offense i think there's just no possible way for them to escape that but they do actually have some like okay defensive talent like maybe they could stop people a little bit uh a lot of it though it depends on whether they play hard for fred hoiberg or not and certainly this team maybe more than any other right now has straight up committed to tanking this season so i do expect that to come into effect a little bit also one small thing we talked about the two games against brooklyn if detroit is competitive towards the end of the year the only other game they have in their final 13 against the team that is not going to be trying is a game at orlando at the end of march so they're gonna be facing boston and charlotte and washington and all those teams like those their b or c games are gonna crush the bulls at that point even if they're not trying even if they are trying to win so they'll be able to pick up some pick up some room on the bottom at that point yeah and last year negative 7.0 net rating 99.7 offensive rating when jimmy butler was off the floor not very good (laughs) but i think even a negative 7 net rating you're probably a little bit better than 22 or 21 wins which is what it would have to be to, to go under so i will reluctantly go over even though i really hope that i'm not watching this team down the end of the year to have to see how this turns out other than of course the mandatory chicago brooklyn game for dunk for twitter nba show other than that yeah a team that hopefully we're for, wa- yeah a team that hopefully we're watching for a long time <laughs> though oh, maybe man, not we are just sucking we're just <laughs> sucking on these transitions it's the heat today. man that's what i'm blaming but i don't know Cleveland last year won 51 games. Their over-under is set at 53 and a half. Something I had forgotten about was how few games they got from Kevin Love and J.R. Smith last year. Love played 60, J.R. Smith played 41 in the regular season because both those guys were pretty healthy for the playoff run. But they have so little motivation to push for regular season games. And I think they're they're probably better from a talent perspective, especially if you assume Love and J.R. are going to play more collectively. But I just don't think they have the motivation to really put to push Beyond that, I think they're going to rest LeBron significantly. And even if there is this one last ride kind of feel with them, maybe from a basketball nerd, people like us perspective, that doesn't impact somebody like Ty Lue. He's going to do whatever is best for his team heading into May and, and June. This does have a little bit of a Bulls 1998 feel to it. Now, this is really the last very good team that has had this imminent breakup hanging over it. And you remember that was called the last dance, Phil Jackson. And at the championship parade said this was our last dance i still remember that as a high school kid and so this is you're right it is going to start to have that feel a little bit but i don't expect them to necessarily play any worse there lebron is still going to play hard that's just how he's wired and while i do think that he may take it relatively easily during the regular season, especially on defense. I really don't see, even with the addition of Jay Crowder, I mean, that's that's the wild card that maybe he'll really, really help their defense. But he even took a step back defensively last year. Isaiah Thomas, don't know how many games they're going to get from him. And I think without him and if LeBron is kind of taking it easy, this team could slip out of those top two or three in offense. They'll still have some explosive games. And once Thomas gets back and I expect 
expect them to be pretty good also i i wonder a little bit about the fit with love as a traditional power forward but then you probably also want to be playing lebron at the, at the four crowder how does he fit in I mean, i'm sure there'll be plenty of minutes for all those guys in the regular season and then they've still maybe lacking depth as traditional bigs as well zizic is probably going to play a little bit i think for 53 and a half that still seems too high to me and they got 51 last year 2015 i think they were 53 they're a little bit above that in uh 2015 16 but you're right it just doesn't seem like a team that's going to be trying and i would go for the under as well i had somebody comment on one of my pieces for the athletic about they're like oh well wouldn't it be really good for cleveland to push like to try to have home court past the warriors and all that i I didn't answer this but my answer was they just don't have the horses they 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 can't do that like the warriors are have their deeper team they're younger and cleveland they couldn't get into the mid 60s even if they push really hard with isaiah's hip injury if it's going to linger a little bit i just don't think they have it and why would they want to do that like it's for like one game and they won a championship without home court so i I think that there's not really the incentive to do it and if boston takes a step back they could still have the number one record in the east by finishing below this number Detroit I'll go first on them 38 and a half is their number when Dan was on the show I predicted 39 wins so I guess uh, I will be going over for the Detroit Pistons not feeling amazing about it but I do think they'll be close enough to be trying at the end at least and while they are reliant they don't really have any stars but they at least seem to have enough depth to where they can withstand some kind of injury I mean things went so poorly for them last season you have to imagine Imagine that Reggie Jackson it has to be better than he was a season ago and that they can get a little more out of guys like Stanley Johnson they got Avery Bradley who's probably an upgrade over what they gave up in that deal as well uh, um, Marcus Morris they're losing KCP which is going to hurt but uh, you know there's also I'm sure they're going to have a pretty easy schedule down the end just because they'll be playing all East teams and there gonna be so many of these bad East teams that aren't trying and so playing against you know a team like Chicago in November is a much different problem proposition i think that playing them in april and so they should be able to stock up there a little bit too so that's a, i don't have a great feel for this one i don't have a great reason to say it's going to be more than 38 and a half but i have them at 39 last year was awfully close to a worst case scenario for them because reggie jackson missed a bunch of time and then was not right in the time that he played ish played well in his stead i think that that deserves some credit but losing aaron baines hurts a little bit i think that they'll be able to make that work and then avery bradley will just help solidify their guard rotation they got deeper too. Langston Galway can help them in the regular season. I don't love him. I don't love the contract he got, but that's totally fine. And since you brought it up, I looked it up. Here are their last 10 games of the season. Home against the Bulls, home against the Lakers, home against the Wizards, at the Knicks, at the Nets, home against the Sixers, home against the Mavs, home at the Grizzlies, home against the Raptors, at the Bulls. They should win a lot of those games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm got nothing else to really add to that. Let's move on to Indiana here. I'll let you go first on this one because they're not a team that I've thought as much about quite yet. So Indiana, another team, big big changeover. Forty two games last year, lost Paul George, and they're over under a set at thirty one and a half. I like their starting five relative to teams of their ilk. You know, they're still not a good team, and I don't expect them to make the playoffs. But I think that they can put competitive lineups out there. The big question with Indiana is going to be 
can they be competitive enough in the early port of the season to not sell off guys at the deadline? And I'm going with the over with them, but I'm very skeptical about it because it's only going to be a threshold probably of like two or three games at, you know, the, at the trade deadline in February, especially with it being moved up a little bit for them to just say, for them to just say, ah, let's trade Thaddeus Young. Let's do all this stuff, especially because they have all those guys on, on player options and partial guarantees. So I'm going over with it. I'm not super comfortable about it. And I obviously would not put any money on it. Man, this one is tough because I do think they're looking like maybe the 10th best team in the East right now, but I think I'm going to go with the under. Uh, And I think my biggest reason for that is that I don't believe in McMillan as a coach. I expect them to struggle, maybe not quite as badly as a Chicago or Atlanta, but I expect them to be a really, really bad offense unless Miles Turner and Oladipo can just take some massive steps forward. And then defensively, you know, maybe they have some talent, but they last season at 42 and 40 basically right at even in terms of their point differential they were 16th in defense and 15th in offense and you know they got Corey joseph he's a good defensive player but darren collison isn't they are getting rid of monte ellis which should, should probably help defensively they have some okay talent like if you're just looking at their defensive talent you'd say they're average or maybe even a little bit above that and so you could say all right you know if they have an average defense and they're like the 24th offense maybe they could get to this 32 wins but it just it nothing seems to work there nothing seems to fit together they just don't have a feel of a team that's going to exceed expectations especially because like if frank vogel were still there and they had this same talent i would be all about the the over because i think they would defend but i just don't see them getting that level of cohesiveness under nate mcmillan they also don't have a ton of continuity with victor oladipo being there a whole new point guard rotation so they can't dig back on the well of the prior success which is now a pretty decent amount of time ago i mean I mean, basically, this is an all new group of guys other than Lance. And Lance even has changed over a couple times since he came there. So I can certainly see that. I just think the bottom of the East is so bad. This sort of is a parallel argument to what I made about the Hawks, where I think they'll just beat up on the bad teams a little bit more than they will get beat up. And that will push them over it. But I'm not going to be too sad if, if they if they go under and you get this right. Anything else on them before we move on to Miami? Yeah, I'm just a little bit concerned because they have enough young guys that maybe they could all do well but and they have so many guys who are young who are probably going to play too like Sabonis TJ Leaf they don't really have anything at backup center Al Jefferson's probably not going to be exactly that spelt uh Ike Anabogu don't know if he's going to play he's going to be a rookie big he's not going to play well they're starting three is Boyan that's like not NBA quality really uh, or GR3 is the other one maybe he could take a step forward but I mean, a lot I think is going to have to go right for them and there's also, as you mentioned, a potential trade of Thad Young. Joseph and Collison could also fall into that category as well if they don't have the start that they're looking for. Okay, now let's move on to Miami. They had that wild year where they started 11 and 30, then went 30 and 11, ended up narrowly missing the playoffs at 500. And their line was set at 40 at 43 and a half. I think a lot of people are going to see this as a no-brainer. I really don't because they're dependent on guys that, especially Goran Dragic, who doesn't really have a replacement he has to be healthy. And when you have so many players, 
even though they had injuries that just had really good years. Deion Waiters was wonderful for that big run last year. James Johnson was great. And now those guys got paid. You could see regression from the guys they already have. But I think they got, you know, they they got some talent. I mean, adding Kelly Olynyk certainly helps. Bam, yes, he's a rookie big man, but, but he can actually contribute. We'll see if they can get anything from Jordan Mickey. But they're also really deep and they're so adept at finding things. And Spolstra is a, a very strong coach that I'm going with the over even though I don't love it. Do you think they'll be better or worse than last year? I know they won 41 last year, but just in terms of their team quality. I think they'll be slightly better because they were just so disappointing. And some of that was bad luck in that first half. I think they'll be worse than they were in the second half and better than the first half. But that first half was devastating. Yeah. Yeah, And they really were getting unlucky. They were losing, but to good teams all like on the road by like four points every game, it seemed like. But they're last year, they're fifth in defense, 17th in offense and uh, expected one loss 44 and 38. So if they just do what they did last year, they're going to hit this. You could see Dragic taking a little bit of a step back. He had an unbelievable year, but he's not going to shoot, I think, 44% on threes the way he did a year ago. And certainly both Waiters and James Johnson were over their heads. I don't see them being as good. But they basically had totally lost years from Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson. And I think those guys can come in and pick up the slack a little bit. I mean, last year coming into the season, we weren't really talking about Waiters or James Johnson contributing hardly at all. And we thought that those guys were going to be big standouts. And Tyler Johnson has played well for this team, even if he is about to be quite overpaid. So I think they can be maybe even better defensively. And then Olenek, to me, is going to solve a lot of their offensive problems, especially on the second unit if he's playing as, as a backup center. And he can make things a lot easier for some of these guys and maybe help them score when Dragic is out of the game. So yeah, I, I feel pretty solid about this over I would say I also think their depth is going to be a huge competitive advantage in the Eastern Conference because a lot of these teams like the Pacers just have they have some good guys but they don't have enough and so I could see their however they end up structuring the rotation see their second units just blowing teams away kind of like what Utah might do but to a little bit of a different degree with Miami and if their defense is close to as legit as it was last year they'll travel better than expected and that will really help them push a little bit over 500 which is all they need to do so Milwaukee 47 and a half and this is one of one of our best bets was the under last year when it was like 38 and a half I actually like went to like the William Hill Sportsbook when I was in London and got that number I was like hell yes this is great like there's no way they're going over that we were predicting 32 or 33 wins and then Giannis Antetokounmpo became you know top 10 player in the NBA and that for much of the year and that is what ended up changing all that and Jabari Parker they gave them much more and then Middleton actually came back in February as well, which helped them a lot as well. We were assuming that he basically, you know, wouldn't really come back. Well, and uh, they also got and, a rookie even, of the yeah. year caliber performance from a second round pick. So, right. I mean, granted, it was a weak rookie of the year, but still, Malcolm Brogdon played way better than we expected. I thought they got maybe a little bit more from Monroe. Yes, he didn't start, but he played meaningful minutes, and I thought he did well. And yeah, Monroe was good. He was a six man candidate after really being written off after his first season. So they had a lot of guys who played better than would have been thought and potentially who could regress I would put Brogdon in that category it wouldn't shock me if at least in terms of his efficiency that last year is the best year that Malcolm Brogdon ever has um but so I realize the history here can you explain to me why the fuck this 42 and 40 team from last year is gonna be six wins better especially when they had expected one loss of 40 and 42 I'm guessing it relates to people thinking they're a young team like a really young team and I mean Giannis is still you know he's still in his early 20s so he can grow a lot but Chris Middle 
Middleton can improve because he missed most of last year. Monroe's older. Like, they're going to need a lot from Thon. Like, there's a huge threshold. Like, we t- I talked about this a little bit with Minnesota, like, that I was uncomfortable with their number because high 40s is a whole different thing than being in the mid 40s. And you have to win, you know, you have to beat some good teams. You have to win almost all of your gimmies. And I, I like the Bucks. I think that they could beat this line, but I think it's significantly less than a 50% chance. And they can do less than this and still have their season be an unambiguous success. I think what's going on here is either one of two things. Like if you're going to make the argument for why they could go over, one is just that like Giannis is that good, right? Like that he is just going to really blow up again take another crazy step forward they've got these young guys brogdon thon and even monroe i think he's only gonna be 27 by the time his contract expires maybe 28 so he could potentially get better uh, maybe thon really becomes a force this year though his summer league was certainly disappointing middleton will give them more and that he's better than jabari i think middleton getting having a summer to get back in shape will be important for him because he definitely looked slow last year when he did come back still though i mean that like they added literally nobody to this team <laughs> like it, it's and tony snell another guy who could regress very easily as well uh, on the wing with his shooting you know that's fluctuated throughout his career so yeah i i, I feel pretty comfortable with this under I, and i guess the other reason i think which is not a legitimate reason is that it's just like you think like well you know what like this is the fourth or fifth best team in the east and that team usually wins 48 games so that's why we're putting the line here so there's just this perception now that they're better than they were before just because everyone else got worse but they still have to actually go out and win games and they still have to play you know 58 of the games that they play are the same as whether you're in the east or the west so the fact that the east is weaker is might give them a game or so but not it's not gonna be a significant factor so yeah i feel pretty good about this under here the new york knickerbockers won 31 games last year their over under is set at 30 and a half so what i spent my time thinking about with them was whether the train wreck that was last year is more of a worst case scenario like the pistons last year where i said that their 37 was kind of like a backstop for me or is it something totally different and the reason why i'm going with the under is their point guard situation i think that it's going to completely sabotage this team and while they have other guys that I really like their big man positions is just it's a good rotation overall I'm big fan of Porzingis Hernan Gomez can be a contributor Kuzminskis can be a contributor if they can get something from Noah I think that can work too but I don't think they can but but that's but they don't (laughs) have enough they don't have enough at the guards I think that they're going to be relying a lot on Tim Hardaway they're going to be relying a lot on you know maybe even Courtney Lee Lance Thomas because they're point guard guys just can't do it and if Mello gets traded or bought out then they completely crater yeah and I expect that he will not end the season on the team I expect that it's more likely that will be a buyout than a trade at this point but especially once like he's on the team and they start poorly and then it's just like all right I'm, I'm done with this you know that that's what I expect too and this is one of those teams we can give you some of their fundamentals from last season but as you've always said if you have a really bad point guard situation it can just torpedo everything else for you offensively and even 
last year they were 31 and 51 so explain to me like how they're supposed to be better this year and you know i know derrick rose was injured but he at least could like dribble the ball over half court and like drive to the rim on occasion and not just like throw the ball away i mean he at least soaked up possessions where you weren't turning the ball over because you had someone who is unqualified trying to make a play off the dribble also it's not like they really have many lottery ticket type guys i mean we have a pretty good idea of what ron baker is hardaway will get more responsibility than had before ron sessions just had an awful year for the for the hornets last year and you're not sitting there going oh well if x player really works out like they just don't have those guys at all there isn't a unless it unless you're saying frank is going to do it and i do not expect that from him this year i like frank i think he'll be a, a good nba player in all likelihood long term but as the guy running an offense at this point no they're the 18th ranked defense and 20 or i'm sorry 18th ranked offense 26th ranked defense and expected one loss right at what they had 31 and 51 they're also going to be way in on the tank of palooza towards the end of the year porzingis's health is always a question mark as well and maybe the way they beat this is that porzingis completely blows up and it looked like at the start of last year that he was getting there but he has a habit of starting the season well and then really tailing off towards the end i don't really see how they get much better defensively jeff hornacek maybe just because they're not doing all this triangle crap maybe they could be a little better offensively but you know things just never go that well for the Knicks like this is another one of those ones where when in doubt just trust that it's going to be a dysfunctional morass and then especially if the moment Carmelo leaves they're really going to not be able to score either so I I expect them to finish worse than that 18th ranking in offense and I don't see much reason to believe the defense is going to get much better I mean maybe the addition of Hardaway he like gets to be a really quality scorer but that wouldn't be in his history I don't expect that Jeff Warnesack is going to get Hardaway to defend nearly as well as Mike Budenholzer did. It's not something that's in his nature. He had to defend to some degree to stay on the court in Atlanta. That's not going to be the case in New York. So yeah, uh, sign me up for that under. All right, uh, if you want to see any of these amazing East teams that we have been discussing so far, SeatGeek is the way to do it. And it's not only for sports, but also great for concerts. In fact, one of my favorite artists, Trombone Shorty, was in town recently. Checked out tickets for that uh, on SeatGeek. The reason SeatGeek really works so well, though, is it saves you time and it saves you money. Saves you money by aggregating ticket sellers together all in front of you on the app. So you don't have to go to a bunch of different sites. That's saving you time. Then they also rank every ticket based on value. That saves you money. Also saves you time because you don't have to look at every ticket, figure out whether it's three rows in front of the other one and whether that's worth the extra $5 or not. SeatGeek, their algorithms will do that for you. And the app is incredibly intuitive, easy to use. You're done. 90 seconds, two minutes, you got your tickets. So the way to get started with our friends at SeatGeek, the inaugural sponsor of the Dunkdown Podcast, by the way, use that cap space code and that'll get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Especially if you're using it for something other than sports, that 20 bucks can actually be a significant percentage of the ticket. Once again, download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code CAPSPACE, let them know that you came from us and get that 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. I have a feeling that we may disagree on this one. Uh, I'm going to let you go first on this one, though. Orlando Magic won 29 games last year. Originally, the defining characteristic of their season was how bad, surprisingly bad, their defense was. When Serge Ibaka was on the team, I think they were bottom three in defense. They ended up tying with the Nets for 23rd, but they were abysmal offensively. They averaged 101.2 points per 100 possessions, which was 29th in the league ahead of only Philadelphia. And they're not significantly better 
better than they were last year, but I think they figured some stuff out towards the end of the year, and I think they'll be slightly better than this. So, and I believe in Frank Vogel. I still think he's a good coach. So I'm going to go with the over, even though I don't. It's not my favorite line. I think they're more likely to finish in like the mid 30s. You know, I was thinking about this going over as well. I think that they could be a little bit better, especially defensively with Vogel. With some, maybe they got to get more from Biombo this year than they did last year. Peyton continuing to mature. They're going to play Aaron Gordon at the four. I mean, that obviously playing Gordon at the three, Peyton at the one just destroyed their spacing last year. But then I saw their expected one loss was 24 and 58 last year. Like they were, fi- they were five games better than their point differential and they still only won 29. That is really bad. Yeah, that's concerning. I hadn't I hadn't noticed that that's a problem yeah I mean you're you're welcome to change your answer if you want but I, I'm gonna go with oh. the under because I think it's really you know I don't see how they're nine games better 10 they have to be 10 games better fundamentally than they were last year and I, I think Gordon could take a step forward I think Peyton showed some signs at the end of the year but this still is a team that doesn't really fit together they're gonna play Jonathan Isaac he won't be ready although I like him overall I think he'll be enjoyable to watch and I don't think that they've really fixed a lot of their holes i mean i guess they got terrence ross now so like they they can score a little bit better with him out there get some shooting i mean maybe you could say with peyton ross play fournier at the three john simmons they picked up as well you know maybe he can help them defensively so they have some possibility of putting out like either some good offensive or good defensive lineups or some mixes but they just don't have anybody who can create efficiently i mean i do think they'll get more from Vucevic this year who he had one of the worst shooting seasons of his career um but they got a lot of one-way guys on this team and nobody I mean do they have a top 50 player in the NBA on their team not right now no and you swung me I'm going I'm going I'm going back I'm going to the under and another frame of reference here is that last year Dallas won 33 games and New Orleans won 34 you can make an argument that one or both of those teams underperformed relative to their talent level New Orleans case partially because of Drew Holiday missing time factors outside of their control but that's a good idea of kind of where you need to be. And I think that there is a way that they are that good, but I, I think it's more of an optimistic outcome than a realistic outcome. And so that's what made me recalibrate on everything else. So I'm going to go under and, but again, it's, it's, it's yeah. right on the borderline. I, I was, I was wavering back and forth on it in the first place, but I think now I'm, I went from 55, 45, one way to 55, 45, the other way. So that win expectancy thing is a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I like the Mac acquisition. I liked the Simmons acquisition. If hopefully Aaron Aflalo just won't play it all for them because he's not any good. He's just there on, on a minimum contract. They also gave a ton of minutes to Hazonia last year. He probably just won't play it all this year. So getting rid of some DJ Augustin was ineffective. Getting rid of him, Ibaka didn't really want to be there. But I'm still, it's a, a big win, a 10 win jump from last year seems like too much to, to me. I'm just, and it's not like I can, see, I can a, see them getting there, but it's not yeah. like they're going to be a great crunch time team. It's not like they're going to outperform it by virtue of that. That, like the thunder did or something well else. they did last year they, they, they outperformed their point differential by five wins that's true amazingly but i, I don't so expect I, I that mean, I, I, no I, I don't expect that either and you know maybe they get five wins better and they outperform their point differential by another five wins. you know stuff like that can happen i'm not saying this is impossible yeah. this probably won't be a best bet for me but i just that that 10 wins more over their fundamentals from last year like 
they didn't do that much to get better, I don't think. And also, they have a lot of guys that are good, but not great. And generally speaking, to get over the threshold to become more of like a mediocre team, you need a little bit more than that. You're going to need a lot of those guys to have like 80th percentile or above seasons, or you're going to need one guy to do like what, maybe not what Giannis did, but make a big step up, maybe like more what CJ McCollum has done in recent years. And I just don't see that guy on this team. I mean, I don't see anyone on this team who gives you average starter production for his position, at least based on what I expect from them. Uh, and maybe they've got more depth than they've had before. I mean, I think their backup units maybe could could do a little better, but they also signed Mo Spates. You know, maybe he can, if he plays more, he can spread the floor and help them do a little bit better offensively, but he's not going to help the defense at all. So yeah, uh, or maybe Vogel's message gets through and they start to defend. I mean, that's, that's the way that they beat this, I think, is like they actually defend better and then just play less terrible players and, and that can get you there um philly 42 and a half i love the under on this one i saw this line and couldn't believe it because that's i i'm a sixers optimist i've said that they're i think they're one of the eight best teams on paper in the eastern conference the chances of them winning 42 games are ludicrous and they have to win 43 do, to do, actually go over do, do they not write down games played on paper is that like not a, a stat that's kept <laughs> on paper i mean this And not only are they relying on Joel Embiid, who was phenomenal when he played, but we have zero reason to believe that he's going to play more than like 70 games. I mean, because I think they'll be cautious with him, not only in in cases of back-to-backs, but also if he has any sort of small injury, they're going to be very, very patient with him. And then a lot of their other guys... He hasn't even been cleared. He hasn't even been cleared for basketball activities yet. That's true. Joel Embiid. And a lot of their other... Like, what is this injury that he he must have had? Like, I definitely... I mean, with this... uh, with this organization's history over the last like three or four years, I mean, even going back to the Hinky era, the, they did not do well with injuries. Uh, you know, I mean, they've had the Okafor has been struggling with the same injury for like over a year. Embiid had this minor surgery, and Colangelo had this whole spiel about how like it wasn't even that bad. And then he he played on it, but oh wait, no, I guess he does have to have surgery after all—a surgery that's going to keep him out for eight months. And yet they like let him play on it before that. Like, like, are you kidding me? There's and then Ben Simmons. I expect Simmons to be okay okay he hasn't hasn't had much of an injury history that's just a, a broken bone he probably could have come back towards the end of last year probably better for them that he didn't so they could get a better draft pick but although it wouldn't have mattered i guess they got the swap with sacramento anyway and then marco fultz a, a guy that i like as a prospect he's going to be awful defensively if he's going to play a lot he'll probably start he's going to play a lot of minutes simmons will probably be awful defensively like he's a rookie so they have some guys who can defend a little bit but they're gonna be playing like fultz and Simmons are going to be playing so much. I think they're going to be very exciting and they're going to be fun. Fultz also, you know, how many games is he going to play as well? You know, he got shut down at the end of the year in at Washington and didn't hear the greatest things about his health coming into the draft, sprained his ankle in summer league. And, you know, I I think he's going to be a quality player eventually, but expecting him to actually contribute to winning basketball, I expect Simmons actually to be better than him this year. But yeah, there's, and they have some depth like JJ Redick is going to help, I guess. Uh, but it might not be a very good defender on this team. And then, you know, they're still going to be playing like either Stauskas or TLC some. They're going to give some minutes to Justin Anderson. They have Saric, but I think Saric is really overrated. I think he's being talked about as like, oh, he's close to being rookie of the year. And, you know, I, I don't think that he's really going to help contribute to winning basketball a ton this year either. And, you know, you know like if Okafor plays, is he going to be the backup center? They're going to try to rebuild his trade value, but like he could hurt them on the floor. There's just 
so many things that can go wrong for this team and i know they had this magical time when Embiid was playing and they looked great and they really defended but yeah i mean if it i mean what would you say the over under in games for joel is this year like 58 i'd probably go a little bit lower than that just because of the idea that maybe he misses a bunch of time so i'd probably go around 50 right yeah i mean and any injury that he has is that then it's going to be like back to super cautious again uh so yeah i i mean i really there's been in the news a lot there's a lot of hype they've sold a ton of season tickets i'm gonna love watching this team i can't wait to see all these guys on the floor it's gonna be awesome but 43 wins seems insane to me and, and i would i would expect them to actually finish with a worse record than detroit right and i was thinking about this i don't know why the team that came into my head was the pacers where yes the sixers team has a lot more potential like their ceiling is substantially higher than the pacers but they're starting five you know assuming you were taking out games for injury as as ex- the expected value isn't that much better and their depth is better but not you know but not that much better and the pacers guys are so much more proven at this point you know like they're they're not dealing with two of the most talented guys in this rookie class but they're still rookies and they're also with the sixers their system continuity in terms of brett brown but a large portion of the minutes that will be played by this team are by guys who have never played for brett brown before so i don't think they're going to have that and it's not like he has a track record of success we've talked before about how he has struggled in late game situations which he hasn't really been challenged because of the sixers have been so bad but i i just this this number is way too high like i expected to struggle with their over under and they're probably my number one or number two league pass team this year but this is an easy one like this is one of the easiest ones on the board for me and they won 28 games last year 26 win point differential and, and that was with Embiid playing the 31 games the 700 minutes we all know what the, those stats but i mean like basically this this number assumes that joel Embiid plays the whole season and stays healthy the whole season and that like everyone else kind of takes a step forward as well i mean because who's who's making up those 17 additional games i mean i guess it's Embiid playing more and you're if Embiid plays the whole year if you could like guarantee me that that he's gonna play 70 games or more then i might start to think this line could be realistic right like because and, and then because really the only other thing they added is jj reddick and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna believe that ben simmons and marco fultz especially fultz are gonna help you win games yet why should you i mean it's it's not a reasonable bet to make at this point and if you were to assume that they were going to make moves during the season i wouldn't necessarily guarantee that they would be win now moves they could be and there, there are a lot of adjustments i mean robert covington is a very good player but he's in a very different role coming off surgery coming off way. surgery that that they're going to go through and they have these weird surpluses like amir johnson jaleel okafor you know like that sort of thing and i don't see that resolving in a way that makes them better this year yeah i i mean i i i'll wait to the podcast because i've scheduled their podcast i think theirs is the last one before the regular season like two days before the regular season is when they're scheduling their preview because i want to see all these guys and what they look like in the preseason and, and whether they're all playing and they're stuff. one of the only teams but that I, i'm going to be excitedly watching their preseason game i'll be excitedly watching every team's preseason games i actually learn more sometimes from preseason games than regular season games because you just you know it's like some of you get true. to see guys play yeah uh that you wouldn't get a chance to see it and also just you know uh, when it's a rookie as well uh, let's get to toronto uh this is going to be another healthy under for me i don't about you 48 and a half i'm conflicted on this because i think that toronto's regular season prowess has been underrated by virtue of just the nature of the nature of their postseason struggles like people think oh well this team you know they they, they're never gonna win much in the eastern conference and i think that's fair i've been you know i was the person banging the drum saying that i thought they could lose to the pacers in the first round two years ago and that almost happened and all of those things
things are true. Last year, they won 51 games with a, a substantially different team, but Kyle Lowry missed 22 games. So all of that is fair. I think that the number came in a little higher than I wanted. Like if this number had been 46 and a half, I think a lot of people, you probably still would have gone under in it in that case, and I would have gone over, but that's what makes it hard for me. My under is based on a few things. One, that I still just don't think DeRozan is that good. I think they're going to really miss Patterson. They're really going to miss that bench unit that they had. And I think that Lowry is going to, this is going to be the year where he's going to finally take a step back, Uh, especially because guys going into their free agent year usually do not train that hard. He had a really bad high ankle sprain at the end of last year. So I I don't know that he's been able to have his usual off season and just getting to be 31 now, that's about time. And and he showed some signs of dropping off a little bit towards the end of last last year as well and i I think just the the, losing carol i think is gonna hurt they really have some big question marks at the three now i don't know how good cj miles is i think that their defense i expect to take a step back they were 11th last year i think that they are gonna be average at best this season it's gonna be more minutes for valanchunas or pertle i think it can be quality still a second year big not having Patterson anymore, not having Carroll anymore. So I, I think that all of that, I expect them, you know, they're six in offense last year. You know, I, I think that's that's going to drop back. You know, they also are going to miss Terrence Ross as well. It gave them a lot. Had a really nice season for them before he got traded. They will have Ibaka all year, but another guy that I think is on the downswing. So I think I could see them taking a step back to, you know, the 10th best offense and the 15th best defense or something like that. And also another thing that really sticks out to me is their RP projections are really low it's like 43 wins uh, uh, for Kevin Pelton and so that's that's probably really the tiebreaker for me I'm not saying they can't win more than this I mean if they just do if everyone just did kind of what they did last year I think they're pretty close to it uh, but no I, I I do think the, the under and, and that age is really going to catch up to Lowry and they're just very dependent on him they also lost Corey Joseph so now they're relying on Wright uh, to really take a step forward this year and he put up some good box score stats but he also just cannot shoot at all and i think that can be an issue as well not going to play next to lowry as well as joseph did on some of those backup units it's a lot of warning signs here the big reason also for me so i i didn't say this at the beginning but i'm going under is that they need so much to go right to to win 49 50 games they need to be healthy they don't they can't have much age-related regression and i think they probably need one of their young guys to step up norman powell certainly could delon wright van vliet could maybe one of their young bigs but if you need that sort of a movement in order to reach your number then you should probably bet the under and that's why i'm doing it Last one here, Washington Wizards over under 47.5. Ugh, this is a hard one for me because I think the most likely outcome if they stay reasonably healthy is that they'll go over this number. But last year, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Marcin Gortat, and Markeith Morris all played 76 or more games. So you have that on one side. You have the idea that they're going to be less healthy than they were in all likelihood. And it's not like they got so much deeper that that's going to make it, you know, that they're going to be able to withstand worse injury luck. The thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable with the under, though I am going under, is that their defense was 20th last year, and I think they can be meaningfully better than that, and that could really help to boost their number. But 48, you know, that that's a really good year for just about anybody. So like the Raptors, there are just too many ways that they can go under this for me to pick the over. Damn it. I was really hoping we'd have some differentiation here. I'm going to go under as well. I didn't pick for 47 wins before this came out with uh, the podcast I did with Mike Prada and the 
the biggest reason for that was that all of their starters played I think 74 more games last year and I just don't see a way that that can continue and then I don't think that they have really fixed their bench either they just don't really have other than Kelly Oubre they don't really have any young up-and-coming contributors I thought that for the price they paid the number 52 pick getting Tim Frazier was good but uh, Tim Frazier also really struggled after the all-star break last year in terms of his shooting I mean he can't be worse than Trey Burke and Brandon Jennings were last year but I think Jason Smith is going to take a step back I don't know that Otto Porter and Brad Beal can shoot as well as they did even if they are fundamentally better players as they get older and you know I really don't see a, a way that the defense improves that much uh, to be honest I, I don't think like Markeith Morris I think the days of expecting him to improve uh, that's past I think he kind of is what he is uh, at this point and this is a team that expected one loss even though they won the 49 last year it was only 46 and 36 so I don't see them being better I don't see them being two wins better than last year and you know I could see them being I guess one <laughs> but uh, the health the combination of the health and just that I don't see that much more upside for these guys to explore I mean because I, I think the only way they hit that number is Beal Porter Wall all like play better I also think Marcin Gortat could take a very meaningful step back this year as well I mean it, both in terms of health and his performance I also wonder and this is a weird thing to think about how they're going to handle some of the teams teams in kind of that middle tier of the better part of a conference getting better so like Oklahoma City is much better than they were last year Minnesota I think is kind of in a different group and so yeah a couple teams shut off in the east but I see Washington as one of those teams that kind of beats up on the bad guys and then get some good games against the best teams I think they beat Cleveland last year and I think they put they had one good game against the Warriors and they beat the Warriors in the game Kevin Durant got hurt that's right but I just I, I just don't see them putting it together like enough to to, to bet this like i it, it, again like it's not an, an an impossible outcome it's just an unlikely one one broad scope thing that i think is is fascinating and i did not necessarily expect this though i did have more confidence in my east picks than my west picks we disagreed five times in the western conference we only disagreed twice in the um in the east yeah although i because i convinced you on orlando Damn, yeah. why did i do that <laughs> yeah i will not give myself any points if they end up going over i will not okay so let's uh list off uh, those disagreements atlanta 25 and a half i have the under you have the over indiana 31 and a half i have the under you have the over those are only two in the east and in fact in the east i am under on all but four teams But part of that might be that Vegas oh, Vegas man. kind of took the traditional conference structure with a lot of this stuff. Like, you know, yeah. Washington, Milwaukee, those teams are the nth best in the conference. I don't think that structure is going to hold with the East. I think they're just going to be a lot of really bad teams. Yeah, and I think a lot of these teams, both, I mean, I guess it was really throughout the entire roster. So so those are our disagreements in the East. Then in the West, we have, oh, you highlighted Memphis. So we agreed on that. Oh, whoops. That's my fault. Um, I, I, and the, You had the over on them, right? Oh, I might, I might have had the. We might have to go back and listen to that. I, I think I have the under on that, but I'm, I'll have to go really? back and no, listen. No, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure you had the, the over. over. I I'm think sure I had the. Yeah, so anyway. I, we might, we might de decolor that because we'll, we agree. Okay, so we only disagree on six this year. Then all right, so Minnesota, I have over forty eight and a half. You have under. New Orleans, I have under 39 and a half. You have over. Portland, I have over 42 and a half. You have under. And Sacramento, I have under 28 and a half. And you have over.
over. Would you say that I think our two most stark differences are Minnesota and Sacramento? Like, I feel pretty decent about their under, and you feel pretty decent about their over. And Sacramento, it's probably just next because, like, Portland, Portland, New Orleans, and the East teams, I think we're, I think we're kind of in a similar line with them. It's just kind of where they go on the line. But those two, I think we actually really disagree. Yeah. Well, which of our disagreements do you feel most confident about? Atlanta. I just think, I think so they're. You said the over, huh? Yeah. You're over 25 and a half for Atlanta. Yeah. Huh? I just think they're going to do it. Like, I, I believe in Budenholzer. And also, a lot of the other ones are just, like, I, 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 I can see your argument on all of them, you know, even the ones where I, I said the disagreement is more stark. But Atlanta, like, I, I just see them being that frustrating, like, 27, 28 win team. Like, I just see that for them right now. I would say I feel most confident in Minnesota over 48.5. I mean, I know it's Minnesota, blah, 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 but the projection systems seem uh, all seem to think that they're going to win in the 50s. Their talent seems to, to get me there. They're, they were outperformed or they underperformed their point differential by quite a bit last year. And then also Sacramento under, I feel pretty strongly about uh, as well. I was surprised that you uh, you went over on the uh, our beloved Sacramento Kings. So do you want to do best bet? or do you want to kind of because i think we shouldn't spend our fake money until we until we know some of the division lines but i think we can do our best bets now like of the of what we know so yeah i I guess i'm not as much of a pessimist as i thought by the way i just counted i had nine of the 15 teams going over in the west and I guess I had 11 of the 15 going under in the East. So I'm, you know, I have no idea whether our predictions add up, by the way, like if you to like what number of wins I just tried to do each team based on feel. I don't think this idea of like trying to, oh, well, I guess I'm a little bit over. So I better subtract one from here. Like, I don't think that leads to like good analysis. I think you just need to do it uh, based on feel for each team. Um, So I have three best bets so far. San Antonio over, Boston under. I'm going to go back to the well on Milwaukee under and give me a second to think of my other two. Well, one of your... Oh, what, Philly yeah, under. One of your Philly other two under. is going to be the one that's my second best bet. So for me, the Spurs is number yeah. one, partially because I feel like I I just feel confident in their baseline outcome. Like I think Philadelphia, there may be more, maybe more iterations where they go where they go over, but it's just like, they're both really unlikely. Those are the number one and two for me, Spurs, then the Sixers. Then the, the Celtics are, are the next one. One for me i think that it's just too it's too rosy a line for them and it, those are the three that i'm really like it's going to take something significant for it to move i'm not as confident in the milwaukee under as you are so that's not going to be one of them for me yeah Giannis could blow up uh, that's, i saw that one i might find a one that i like better than that as we're talking here i'm looking there there are a fair number of just like well done lines this year you know i think uh, you know memphis over i actually i think i'm a believer in that 37 and a half that seems like really low that's certainly a candidate for me uh another candidate oh for me i think the phoenix under is going to be one i think that's going to be probably fourth or fifth yeah phoenix 28 and a half same as sacramento i am kind of tempted by that sacramento and i'm tempted by toronto i think toronto might be my fifth Hmm. which is weird because i i I actually for a brief time had their over in my head i I, i'm gonna think about the fifth one a little bit what about cleveland under 53 and a half yeah but they're the most talented team in the east so there's a chance like I think yeah but we also don't expect that anybody to really be pushing them either which is the other thing see like and they don't really I, push I, themselves I wonder about the way. Houston over because I do really like that but I could also just see it not working all the way and 50 56 is a lot of wins yeah I'm tempted by that as well but those higher numbers oh are, what uh, about the it, OKC under no but see I think they have this crazy like they could really put it together no I, I like that team I, I I don't think I want to bet against them um 
Hmm. Yeah, I think Memphis will be one of mine. And then I just got to decide whether I want to replace Milwaukee with something. I'm thinking about the Knicks too. Knicks are, what about uh, what about the Lakers under? But see, I think there's a chance that they're, they're win net, like they're, they're guys like KCP and Brooke Lopez push them into like the mid thirties. And that's still not even nearly yeah, enough. And, yeah. And they're also going to be trying to like impress free agents or whatever mm-hmm. too. Uh, that Phoenix under. Yeah, I'm going, I'm, the Phoenix under is one of mine. Uh, so, so I had that and now I'm just figuring out my last one. I'm going to yeah, go. I, mean, with, I think I, if I were a betting, I'm going to yeah. go with the Brooklyn under. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, maybe, I maybe I'll swing. Maybe was... I'll swing by the end of this podcast. I'll swing off it, but Hmm. There are four that I really like, and there just isn't a fifth one. Yeah, no, I, I feel similarly. Is Memphis in there for you? No, or no? it isn't. What's the, what's the one? The, the, fourth? the Phoenix under Phoenix. is the other one that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Toronto, but I kind of like them. <laughs> this is this is this great is, podcasting. This is riveting radio here. We should just be yeah. silent while we're doing this, and then we could cut it. I don't know if the Miami over actually. I think I'll I'll I'll, I'll replace hmm. that with uh I'll take Milwaukee. Actually, you know what? Nah, fuck it. I'm sticking with Milwaukee. I'm doubling down on Milwaukee from last year my analysis was right damn it and i will be proved correct this year <laughs> but yeah that's definitely the one i feel the worst about i'm gonna go with the knicks i'm gonna All go right, with the knicks. fantastic yeah so to reiterate here my best picks san antonio boston philly memphis and milwaukee that's san antonio over boston under philly under memphis over milwaukee under. and mine are san antonio over philly under boston under suns under knicks under all right that'll do it for today we'll post these on patreon actually for subscribers you can also check out on patreon soon the results of that mock off season or i'm sorry a mock rookie extension podcast that's coming up on wednesday and also a great new way to support the show is the amazon banner ad at the very bottom we put it there so it's not obtrusive on the site but you can get to it if you're trying to you just click on that and then go buy whatever you're going to buy already on amazon anyway and we get a little bit of a kickback from it which is nice uh we've actually gotten over 30 listeners who have already done that it's not incredibly lucrative but it's uh, a way to support the show uh, more than you already are by checking out our sponsors blueapron.com slash capspace will get your first three meals free uh with free shipping at blue apron don't forget about that too and we'll be back pretty soon here we're gonna do a patreon mailbag in the next couple of days that'll be our next thing patreon.com slash duncan larue talk to you all next time the legends are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili wickdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wicknuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go i participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last